सहनावतो सहनौ भुनक्तो सह वीर्यंकरवाह तेजस्वीतमस्तु मिद्विषावह नमश्रीशंकरानंद नम श्रीशंकरानंद गुरुपादाबुजन्मने गुरुपादाबुजन्मने सविलास महामोह सविलास महामोह ग्राहग्रासकर्मणे ग्राहग्रासकर्मणे Now the author is explaining that section in the seventh chapter of Chandogya Upanishad, where the teacher Sanat Kumara reveals the truth to the disciple Narada, that Bhuma or Brahman is of the nature of Ananda or happiness. So that is the question now. We all write that Brahma is pure or complete. But how does it make Brahma Ananda? Ananda means happiness. So how Brahma is complete? All right. Why do you say Brahma is complete? Because it is adhiriyam. It is non-dual. Since it is non-dual, therefore it is not limited. So wherever duality is, there is going to be limited limitation because duality means one thing is different from another. There is division, and so each thing limits the other. When there is table and there is chair, both then table is not the chair, chair is not the table. Each one limits the other, and therefore, in the realm of duality, there is going to be limitation of time, place, and objectivity. But what is there before the creation of duality is the non-dual, because the duality is not there, and therefore, that non-dual Brahma is full or complete, meaning free from all limitations. All right. We accept that Brahma is free from all, meaning the truth has to be free from all limitations. But how do we say that it is of the nature of Ananda? That is the next question. Then the answer given here is that that is what is taught in the Chandogya Upanishad, where Brahman is revealed to be of the nature of Sukha or Ananda, and that's what in the verse seventeen it was said, Yohuma sa Sukham Nalpe Sukham Tridha Vibhari Vibhedini Sanat Kumar Prahayvam. नारदायाति शोकिने यो भूमा ससुखम दैट इज भूमा और ब्रह्मा हैज टू बी सुखम और हैप्पीनेस न अल्पे सुखमस्ति सेई सनत कुमारा दैट इज अल्पम और लिमिटेड दैट कैन बी हैप्पीनेस इन दैट व्हिच इज लिमिटेड सो दैट लिमिटेशन इटसेल्फ इज द कॉज ऑफ अनहैप्पीनेस A sense of limitation, the unhappiness and sense of limitation always go together. So as long as there is a sense of limitation about me, either I feel that I am limited in time, meaning I am mortal, limited in place, limited in condition, limited in knowledge, in whichever way. So whenever I take myself to be limited, there is going to be unhappiness accompanied with it. And therefore, the cause for unhappiness is the sense of limitation. And therefore, where the limitation is not. The unhappiness also is not, because cause of unhappiness is a sense of limitation, and in Brahma or Bhuma, where there is no limitation, there is no cause for unhappiness. If unhappiness is a cause of limitation, absence of limitation also means absence of cause of unhappiness, and therefore in Bhuma or Brahman there is no unhappiness, and therefore it is of the nature of happiness or Ananda. <coughs> Now, by the way, the author also wants to explain that whole passage. How sage Narada went to Sanat Kumara, reporting to him that I am grieving. And so, the question is: the question was asked, how do you say that sage Narada, who is known to be very great and accomplished one, how do you say that he was grieving? So, the verse eighteen said. सपुराणान पंचवेदान शास्त्राणि विविधानि च न्यात्वाप्यनात्मवित्वेन नारदोति शुशोचः दादरे विरेड़ द पैसेज वे नारदा सेड 
And I know all the Puranas, I know the, I know the Vedas, I know the Mahabharata, I know the Itihasa, I know the Purana. And I know the grammar and I know the, phys- the physics and I know the chemistry and I know all kinds of things. So he reported what all he knew. Bhuta Vidya and then Yaksha, I mean, uh, Bhuta Vidya means the Bhautika Shastra, the uh, physics. Nakshatra Vidya, he knew also astrology and astronomy. And then he knew also the dancing and he knew all kinds of things. So I know all of this and still I am grieving. Why is it so? Because I do not know the self. So Narada knew this much. I have heard from great people like you. Shrutam hiratme bhavadrushe bihe tardishokamatmavit iti. I have heard from such great ones as you that the knower of the self alone crosses the grief. Since I am grieving, therefore, and I know that I do not know the self and therefore I am grieving. Thus I have the knowledge of all these various scriptures, but I have the knowledge of really the words, but not the essence of them, which is the self, and therefore I am grieving. So even sage Narada, who was so learned and so accomplished, also was grieving because he did not know the self. Then, just a casual question. This is sort of a side discussion. That is the style of this text. The main point is there, and by the way, the author also takes time to explain those passages of the Upanishad. Because as we said, the purpose of this text is to give us an understanding or an insight into the vision of the Upanishad. And therefore, a question was asked that the study of the Vedas and study of all the scriptures is known to be the cause of removal of grief. That one who has studied all this should not be, in fact, should be free from the grief. And how come Narada, in spite of having studied them all, was grieving? So the answer was given in the 19th verse. Veda Abhyasat Puratapa Trayamatrena Shogita Paschatva Abhyasa Vismara Bhanga Garavaisya Shogita Says, look, before the study of the Vedas, that one is grieving. Why? Naturally, because he has not studied. And so he doesn't know what is what. He doesn't know himself, he doesn't know the world, he doesn't know anything. So tapatrayana shokita. He is grieving because he is suffering at three levels, at the individual suffering from, you know, the, the himself is a source of sadness, unhappiness. The environment is a source of unhappiness. Even the, the cosmic forces are also a source of unhappiness. And thus he is suffering from all these sources of unhappiness before he has studied. But after having studied also, if he has not really understood the purport of the study, meaning he has studied all the whole body of words all right, but he has not understood this, the purport of the study, meaning he has not gained knowledge of truth, then even after study also the grief continues in a different way. In what way? Paschatu abhyasa. Then constant repetition, it's a big exercise, you know. Every day keep on repeating and trying to remember and all of this also, is a big effort and exertion. So that gives santapa, pain. Vismara, and then forgetting what I studied, that also gives me unhappiness. I feel bad. If I forget what I remember with a great effort, after 15 days I forget, you know, then naturally there is pain. Bhanga, and then even though I have learned so much, when I am in company of the others who learn more than me, then there is a sense of humiliation also. Again, there is unhappiness. And suppose I am in company of those who have not, not learned as much as I have, then there is garva, then there is that pride or arrogance, which also is nothing but unhappiness of a different kind. That is why, unless the knowledge of self is, there is nothing but unhappiness. This is the idea here. And that is why even the sage Narada also was grieving. <coughs> Now we continue our discussion in the verse 20. The Tikagara commentator says in the introduction of that verse, Nanu evam sarvadnisyabhi naradasya adishokitvam jatamiri kudo avagamyade It is all right that you say that for an ordinary person, that before the study of the Shastra that there is unhappiness, and after the study and during the study also there is unhappiness for an ordinary person. But sarvajnasyabhi naradasya, for sage narada was almost omniscient, mean all-knowing, almost. Adishogitvam jatam, idhi kudo avagamyade, 
and he was deeply grieving. How, how do you understand that? Or how do we come to know that? Even Sage Narada also was deeply grieving. Says, we know this from his own words, that's all. Ityashankya soham bhagavas chochami. As we read the passage earlier, day for yesterday, that Narada himself went. Adihi Bhagavah, he said, O revered sir, please teach me. Iti, that is how Narada approached Sanat Kumara. Then Sanat Kumara asked him, first tell me what all you know, and then I will tell you what I have to tell you. Then says Narada said, that I know all these scriptures and I know also many disciplines of knowledge I have mastered. But he himself said, that mantra vidhasmi, I know the mantra or the words all right, but I do not know Atma. And I have heard from great sages such as you that only the knower of the self is free from the grief. And thus, I who is so learned also am grieving. Soham Bhagavas Sochami. Saha, that I who is so learned and so accomplished and so regarded and so revered, even I also am grieving. That is something that one knows oneself, you know. And so I am grieving. So humbagvas chocham idi tadiyadeva vakyat avagatam. So that he was grieving and grieving deeply. Even ordinary grief also you might be able to perhaps dismiss by keeping yourself busy with something or the other. But this was such a deep grief in, in the heart of Sage Narada that he could find no way of, uh, of avoiding it. And that way he had to do something in order to become free from that. And that is how he went to Sanat Kumara. This, we know that he was deeply grieving, we know it from his own words. Fasi said that Soham Bhagavas Chochami, Narada is, I am still, I am grieving. And subsequently said, Tanmam Tammam Bhagavan Shokasiparam Taraitu. Revered sir, may please help me cross this ocean of grief. This is how he submitted himself to the teacher. So, iti tannivritti upayate na prashtesade. When Sage Narada dust asked Sanat Kumara of the nivritti upaya, of the method or of the means of becoming free from that grief, that is the upaya or the means that he asked for, that I am grieving and may you please enable me to cross this grief, meaning, may you give me a method or means by which I can become free from the grief. And thus in those words, says Narada is in fact asking, seeking for a means for becoming free from unhappiness in his life. When this was asked of Sanat Kumara, Sanat Kumara bhum shabdavachyam sukharupam brahmaivagnyayamanam shokanivrityupayati then Sanat Kumara, the teaching goes on in different stages and ultimately it culminates into this Sukha or happiness. So what is superior and what is superior and what is superior and then there's a whole series of fire, so many steps. Ultimately, when Sanat Kumara leads Narada to understand this, that it is Sukham or happiness is the most superior because everything is before that only. So whatever a man does or does not do, whatever that is, is ultimately only guided by a desire for happiness. And therefore, a sukham or happiness is what one is seeking. And therefore, bhuma shabdavacham sukharubam brahmaivagnyayamanam. So Sanat Kumara says that when you know Brahma, which is of the nature of sukha or happiness, shokanivritti upayaha. So knowledge of Brahma or knowing Brahman as a very self, and Brahma which is of the nature of Sukha or Ananda. So that knowledge alone is Shokanivrutti Upaya hai. Is Upaya or means for Shokanivrutti or for cessation of this grief. That grief will go or unhappiness will go only when you know Brahma which is of the nature of Ananda. And how did Sanat Kumara say this? Sukham Tvyo Vijignyasidavyam He Narada, you should know, you should see to know what is Sukha or what is happiness? Then Narada says, please teach me what is happiness. And then Sanat Kumara says, Yo vai bhuma tat sukham nalpe sukhamasti. He Narada, that is bhuma or brahma, the abundant, 
the boundless or the limitless, that alone is sukha or happiness. Na alpe sukhamasti, that which is alpa or limited in that, there cannot be sukha or happiness. Idi arabhya uttara granda sandarbhena uktavanityaha. That this is what Sanat Kumara told Sage Narada is what is said in the 20th verse in this text. Soham vidvan prashochami, soham vidvan prashochami, shokaparam nayatramam, shokaparam nayatramam, ityuktas sukhamevasya, ityuktas sukhamevasya, paramitya bhidhadrashi, paramitya bhidhadrashi. Soham Vidvan Prasochami, just reiterating what we already discussed. So the Tikakara has a style, the comment. Sometimes he gives explanation before the verse and often he gives explanation after the verse. But anyway, Soham Bhagavan, Soham Vidvan Prasochami. So Narada said, Oh revered sir, I suggest that who is so, who is all knowing or who knows so much and is so accomplished, even I am also Prasochami. Deeply grieving. That's all right. So what am I supposed to do? Shokaparam nayatramam. And therefore, please lead me to the other end of this grief. Meaning, please make me free from this grief. Iti When the teacher Sanat Kumara was so told by the disciple, Sukhamevasya param idi abhyadat rushihi. The rushihi. Rishi means the sage Sanat Kumara, the Rishi Sanat Kumara. What did he say? Sukhameva asyaparam abhyadat. This is what he said. Asya shokasyaparam sukhameva. The param, what is other end of the grief? That happiness. Meaning bhuma or that knowing that bhuma is only the means for crossing this ocean of grief once and for all. That as will be explained in subsequent verse, that we do experience freedom from grief now and then. And every day in, in the deep sleep we experience complete freedom from grief. But unfortunately I do not know that that is what I am. And so unless that knowledge takes place, that experience does not last. Experience gets created. Experience of freedom from grief does get created now and then. But since it is an experience derived from some factors other than myself, when those factors go away, that experience also goes away. That experience has to be understood. And so that is the next question that is asked here. Nanu sragadijanyeshu sukheshu bahushu satsu nalpe sukhamastedi uktihi anupanna. You say that in alpa that is limited, there is no happiness. But that's not right. We do experience happiness so often. Sragadishu. So these are standard objects of a srakchandana. Vanita, etc. They are supposed to be the standard objects of happiness. Meaning that when we experience something that is pleasurable, like when I am wearing good clothes, when I have ornaments, suppose you like those things, and ornaments and clothes and garlands and, you know, the perfumes and all those things, so when we have them, we feel happy. That means that they do give me happiness. How do you say that? Only Brahma is happiness. That in limited thing there is no happiness. How do you say? Because I do seem to experience happiness from these things. So when there are, when there is good food, good music, good movie, good video, whatever it is, you know, so many things give me happiness. Good talk, good dis- good discussion, good reading, and what not. And so so many sources of happiness, in spite of their being there, for you to say that happiness is only in Brahma and in nothing else doesn't seem to be proper. If said, if this is what you have to say, then our answer is, na, you are not right. Meaning we are right. Meaning what? That in limited things, there cannot be happiness. Now, this is not that they want to insist upon it. This is something that we have to discover. Of course, this is what they say. This should become our own discovery in life. Otherwise, our fascination for limited things will not go. That vairagya, that is passion, meaning an objective understanding of the things will arise only when 
this becomes our own and it can't be forced upon ourselves and it's something that we have to but this is what they have discovered and this is what we have to discover tesham sargadinam dukkhanusangena vishasamprutta annavat bahudukkharupatvasya munina abhipretatvat is as now all those little objects of happiness which give me some small drops of happiness little kicks of happiness now and then dukkhanusangena that happiness is always accompanied by dukkha or unhappiness vishasamprutta annavat so this illustration they gave like the food like the rice or some other you know like the candy or like the cake or some sweet which is what vishasamprutta which is mixed with poison imagine so you don't know that so when you are eating that thing you are enjoying it but then there is there is poison and therefore vishendri sanyogat yatta dagre mrutopamam parinamaya vishamiva tat sukham rajasam smritam says lord krishna the happiness that seems to arise from contact with the sense objects is agre amrutopamam in the beginning it is it appears very sweet like nectar parinamaya vishamiva but ultimately it turns out to be visha or turns out to be poison or bitter so what appears to be very sweet in the beginning turns out to be only bitter bahudukkharupatvasya now this is a theme that you find repeated every day you know and therefore sometimes you get a little fed up with this that every day you keep on talking about this you know and we suspect that there is something wrong with this fellows you know that it looks as though they just don't know how to enjoy life or they don't know life and therefore they want to dismiss it in some form or the other and would justify perhaps their indifference to the life or whatever it is but this is not so as we said uh, lord krishna also says he was a very happy you know you can't call it person but anyway even if you want to call him he was a very happy one and so he knew the secret of happiness if you assume that suppose these people do not know बट से भगवदगीता यही संस्पर्श या भोगा दुख यो नवते आद्यवंत कौंतेय न तेषु रमते बुध हे कौंतेय हे अर्जुन दि प्लेजर्स दैपीनेस दिम्स टू वराइज फ्रॉम दि कॉन्टेक्ट विदेन्स ऑब्जेक्ट्स सो वाय कॉन्टेक्ट विदेन्स ऑब्जेक्ट्स दैपीनेस दिम्स टू वराइज दुख यो नर ऑल नथिंग बट सोर्स ऑफ अनहैपीनेस और सोर्स ऑफ पेन Why is it so? Because there is pain involved in acquiring something. First of all, these objects of happiness don't come cheap and they don't come free also. And therefore, you have to exert yourself to acquire them. You want a motor car, you have to work for it. You want a house, anything you want, you have to work for it. And so, only self is that which comes cheap, meaning without any cost. Everything else costs in terms of effort. and so it calls for effort to acquire the thing of that you thing that you like so there is pain in acquiring because it involves exertion having acquired there is always this uh, fear on my part that i may lose it you know and therefore there is always apprehension on my part that maybe this thing will go away So even when I am enjoying it, some apprehension always remains. As Bhartu says, "Bhoge rogu bhayam." I am enjoying the sweets, all right, but in my mind there is a little at the back corner of my mind. I know that this is not good for me because it may bring about diabetes or whatever it is, you know. But anyway, as as Nasiketa also says, "Sarvendriyanam jareyanti tejha." Whenever we experience pleasures at the level of senses, we have to pay a price for that. because it is the cost of some little vitality on our part otherwise you cannot enjoy sensuous happiness so there you have to pay the price and then when there is separation from what you love of course there is pain so there is pain in acquisition there is pain in separation in between there appears to be happiness which is going to be only followed by pain and therefore what appears to be happiness is not really happiness not only that and this again we have discussed so often that the object happiness you know even though they seem to give the happiness slowly and slowly i find myself becoming more and more dependent i get addicted to them 
At the same time, object stops giving happiness after a while. Then I want something else. The mind wants change. And he wants it a little more sophisticated. He wants a greater thrill and a greater kick. And I have ordinary tea and coffee, then I want black coffee and I want something else. And I don't know, I keep on decorating things. And thus we find every day some new dishes and new cars and new music and new things because the old things stop giving me happiness. So mind becomes more and more dependent, gets more and more addicted. And its ability to extract happiness is reducing, its craving for the happiness keeps on increasing, and the ability of the sense object to give happiness also decreases. And ultimately you are in a miserable predicament. People who never think about the life and always dependent upon the external objects and external world to give, make them happy, find themselves in a very miserable state because a time comes when I find that the external world doesn't make me happy. It's same stuff every day. TV, same thing. Even books, same thing. Everywhere it's the same thing. And the mind wants something else. He wants a kick, doesn't get it. And so, what appears to be happiness really is not there otherwise it should always give me happiness. And thus, this is the analysis of happiness that is made with reference to, in Viveka Chodamani, I'm sure that we'll be again doing it at great length, you know, because there also Shankaraja spends a lot of time in discussing this. But, in short, the little happiness that appears to come from the sense object, even then also it doesn't come from there. Even then also, we only feel, or we are deluded to believe that, that happiness came from some external object, even when it appears to be coming. Because when we analyze our experience of happiness, we find that even in presence of something that I love, I do feel happy. And happiness always springs from within and not from without. It doesn't come from outside. It always wells up from within. That shows that the external object merely was an occasion or merely was an instrumental in the manifestation of happiness, which was there. Thus, Vaishaikam Sukham, the happiness coming from the sense objects, is, is nothing but really the source of all the unhappiness or pain. And that's what is reiterated in the verse 21. Why did Sanat Kumara say, Yovi Bhuma Tat Sukham, Nalpe Sukhamasti. And that is Bhuma, that alone is happiness. And in anything that is limited, there cannot be happiness. Why did Sanat Kumara say this to say Narada? That is what is said in the verse 21. Sukham vai shaikam shoka Sukham vai shaikam shoka Sahasrena vrutatvatah Sahasrena vrutatvatah Dukkhame veti matvah Dukkhame veti matvah Nalpeste sukhamityasau so this is author's attempt or author is explaining those statements because Sanut Kumara just makes a statement but doesn't explain it. So here the author explains why did Sanat Kumara say what he said. Sukham Vaishaikam Shuka Sahasrena Aurtatvataha Since Vaishaikam Sukham Since Sukha or the happiness arising from the sense objects. Shoka sahasrena avrutattvatah Since it is mixed with or it is surrounded by shoka sahasra meaning grief and nothing but the grief or unhappiness. Dukkha mevairi Therefore it is nothing but dukkha. Even though there appears to be a little momentary pleasure when you come to analyze it it is nothing but pain or dukkha. Iti matva, with this, with this, uh, having this opinion, uh, with this idea in mind, aha, Sanat Kumara say to Narada, nalpeti sukhamityasau, itiyasau aha. Therefore, Sanat Kumara said, alpe sukham nasti. And that is alpa or the limited, there is no sukha. So, keeping this in mind, Sanat Kumara said it to Narada. <coughs> so, the point that is proven in all of this is, dvaite, Sukham nasti. Alpe meaning dvaite. Anything that is limited, in that there cannot be sukha, cannot be happiness. Okay? Dvaite sukha abhavangi kritya advaite pitamashankade. Okay? 
then the other the fellow the opponent accepts it's all right from what you explain to us so far you would accept that in dvaita or in that which is limited there is in duality there is no sukha all right no happiness advaite bi tamasangate but we say that in advaita non dual also there is no happiness what about that so then the next question is how do you say that there is sukha or happiness in advaita or we accept that there is no happiness in dvaita or the duality but how do you say that there is happiness in non duality how do you say that and that is the question verse 22 is of the nature of a doubt on the part of whoever part of the disciple on the part of opponent or whatever nanudvaite sukham bhur nanudvaite sukham bhur advaite pyastino sukham advaite pyastino sukham asti chedupalabhyate asti chedupalabhyate tatha cha triputi bhavet tatha cha triputi bhavet so says here the questioner nanu dvaite sukham mahud nanu me doubt is raised here dvaite sukham mahud from what you explain all right maybe accept that in dvaita or the duality there is no sukha there is no happiness okay advaite pyastino sukham but we have to say that in advaita or the non dual also there is no sukha there is no happiness how do you say that so we ask him how do you say that there is no happiness in advaita or the non dual तत्र अनुपलब्धिं प्रमाणयति देन दी द क्वेश्चनर सेज दैट वी डोंट परसीव इट सपोज देयर इज हैप्पीनेस इन नॉन अद्वैत और द नॉन ड्यूअल वी शुड एक्सपीरियंस इट सिंस वी डोंट एक्सपीरियंस इट देयरफॉर वी से दैट देयर इज नो हैप्पीनेस इन द नॉन ड्यूअल आल्सो दिस इज कॉल्ड अनुपलब्धि देयर आर डिफरेंट प्रमाण और द मींस ऑफ नॉलेज प्रत्यक्ष द परसेप्शन अनुमान द इन्फरेंस उपमान कंपेरिजन अर्थापत्ति प्रिजम्शन अनुपलब्धि अनुपलब्धि मीन्स नॉन नॉन परसेप्शन ऑल्सो सो वेन यू डोंट परसीव समथिंग डोंट एक्सपीरियंस समथिंग दैट इज अ प्रूफ ऑफ इट्स नॉट बींग डेयर दैट डू यू सी एन एलिफेंट इयर ऑन द स्टेबल नो दैट मीन्स दैट साउ वी सेज नो एलिफेंट इयर हाउ डू यू सेज अदरवाइज सो तले घटो नास्ती और दैट इज माई पाम दर इज नो पार्ट हाउ डू यू से दैट बिकॉज आई डोंट सी इट so non perception also becomes a pramana or the means for establishing the absence of something and so also he wants to establish the absence of happiness in advaita or the non dual by by uh, uh presenting this argument that in the non dual also we do not experience happiness and since we do not experience happiness in non dual therefore we say that in non duality also there is no happiness so that is what is said in the second line asti ched upalabhyate asti ched advaita yadi sukham vidyate sukham vidyate tarhi if in advaita or the non dual if there were happiness in the advaita or the non dual ched tarhi upalabhyate विषय सुखाद्वत उपलब्धि जस्ट एज वी कैन से दर इज हैपीनेस इन गुड फूड बिकॉज वेन आई ईड इट देन आई आई एक्सपीरियंस हैपीनेस सिमिलरली ऑल्सो इफ दर इज हैपीनेस इन अद्वैत और द नॉन ड्यूअल वी शुड हैव बीन एक्सपीरियंसिंग इट सिंस देर इज नो एक्सपीरियंस ऑफ हैपीनेस देन वी से दैट इन अद्वैत ऑल्सो देर इज नो हैपीनेस यतः न उपलभ्यते अतो नास्ति इत्यतः सिंस दैट इज नॉट एक्सपीरियंस देन वी से दैट it is not there <clears throat> we say nanu upalabhyate we say no no we experience happiness in advaita non dual then he says iti asankamanam pratyah tatha cha tripudi bhavet you say that you can experience the happiness of non dual so yes well if you experience the happiness of advaita or the non dual then there is no advaita See, for one to experience something, 
there must be three factors the experiencer what is experienced and the very experience if this tripudi or this triad were not there then of course there cannot be experience so for you to say he is asking this siddhanti is asking us for you to say that you are experiencing the happiness of advaita you know accept an experiencer and that which you experience which itself is duality and therefore to say that you are experiencing advaita itself is contradiction understand non dual cannot be experienced what can be experienced is always limited the limitless or non dual cannot become an object of experience because it becomes an object of experience it is duality because it becomes object of experience which is different from the one who experiences and therefore if advaita became the object of experience like other things then there is no advaita there is no duality non duality at all so tasachat so he says asti chet upalabheda tasachat tripudi bhavet if there was happiness in non duality you would have experienced it and if you experience it then there is duality anubhasya anubhavitra anubhavya sapekshatva that every experience requires the presence of an experiencer and that which is experienced and the interaction between the experiencer and the experienced alone is what we call experience so experience cannot happen unless there is an experiencer and there is that which is experienced and therefore experience calls for a triad so if you say that there is experience of non dual then we accept the triad or the duality <coughs> advaita hani then there is no non duality at all so there is no non duality if you accept an experience of non duality and if you don't accept the experience of non duality then you cannot prove that there is happiness in non duality if happiness is there we should be experience it if we experience it then there is no non duality so how do we say that in non duality there is happiness <laughs> अद्वैतुखादिकनिषेधम अंगीकोतिदांतिक A given object becomes a locus of happiness. What we call aadhara or the locus. So, an object that I like and very which I enjoy is a locus of happiness. In that sense, advaita or the non-dual is not a locus of happiness. That it contains happiness. It is aadhara or ashraya or locus of happiness. We are not saying that. If non-duality, if not dwaita or non-duality, locus of happiness, then you will be able to experience happiness when you experience dwaita. We are not saying that happiness is in non-dual or dwaita. Then what is it? So says verse twenty-three. Mastvadwaite sukham kintu. मास्वैते सुखम किंतु सुखमेवहीसुखमेवहीस्तुअ्वैतेसुखमेके Let there be no happiness in non-dual. Me say, mastu advaitesu. Advaitesu kam mastu. Let there be no happiness in advaita the non-dual. Then how do you say that non-dual is happiness? Tatrahetumaha. Kintu sukham advaitame vahi. We do not say that happiness is the attribute of non-dual. We say that non-dual is happiness. So it is not that non-dual. Like you can say that sweetness is the attribute of honey. So it is not that similarly happiness is the attribute of the non-dual. We say that non-dual is happiness. 
So non-dual is not the locus of happiness, but non-dual is happiness. Kintu sukham advaitamevahi. What we call sukha or happiness is indeed non-dual. He shows their prasiddhi. This is something well known in all the scriptures, in all the Upanishads. He yasmat karanat advaitamevahi sukham. He also can be said as yasmat. Yasmat karanat for the reason that advaitamevahi sukham for the reason that the non-dual alone is happiness. Ataha sukhadikaranam nabhavati ityartaha. Therefore, so we must know this difference of adhara and adhaya. That the table is adhara, that which supports the book. So book is that which supported and table is that which supports. So therefore, if there is a relationship of the supporter and the supported between the table and the book, then there is what we call the duality. Because the support is different, and what is supported also is different. In that sense, if non-dual was the adhara of the support, and happiness is that which resides in that, then there would be a duality or the separation between the happiness and the advaita. We say that happiness is advaita. Therefore, happiness, not adhikaranam or adhara of the support of happiness, advaita is happiness. All right. Advaita Sukhameti Atra Kim Pramanam. Well, what is the proof? What is the evidence that this Advaita, the non-dual, is happiness? What is Manam meaning? What is your means of knowledge to establish? You cannot make a statement and then get away with it because it must become an object of experience or you must, you must show what is the, how to actually actualize that. And therefore, for example, when the Buddha, Baudhis say that, the Atma is Shunya, the, that, or the Self is Shunyam, it is void. It is non-existence. Then we say that, can you experience that void? Yes, we can experience the void. If you experience the void, at least experience it is not void. And therefore, that void of non-existence can never be experienced. Because the experiencer of non-existence himself is existent, and therefore, there is no such thing as non-existence. Therefore, to say that Atma is non-existent, it doesn't make sense because if you say you know the Atma, there is non-existence, are you non-existent? Well, you are very much existent, and therefore, how do you say the Self is non-existent? And similarly also, when you say something, let us say that non-dual is of the nature of happiness, it is all right, your word, but then, how do you prove? What is the proof or what is the evidence for saying that? Advaita, the non-dual, is happiness. If you, if, what is the, how do you know that? What is the means of knowledge? What is the means of knowledge to know the Advaita as happiness? Advaitam sukham idiyatrakkim pramanam. In this, what is the pramanam? What is the means of knowledge? Idi ashankanvada purvakam tasya svaprakashatvat pramana prasnaeva so this question is first raised that what is the pramanam or what is the means of knowledge to know that Advaita is happiness? And then the question is answered, Tasya Suprakashatvat. They do not require any pramanam or any means of knowledge to reveal Advaita because Advaita is self-effulgent. What means of knowledge do we require to know the sun? Sun is self-evolution and therefore you don't require torchlight to illumine the sun. And similarly, Advaita or the self is self-revealing or self-evolution and therefore you don't require eyes or ears or any means of knowledge in order to experience the happiness of Advaita or to prove that Advaita is happiness because Advaita is happiness and it is self-evolvent, self-revealing. Swayam prave mana akanksha nasti that is Swayam Prabha. That is self-evolgent. The self-evolgent does not have any expectation or any need for another means of knowledge. See, you know what a means of knowledge does is that it illumines the object of knowledge. And therefore the ears or the faculty of hearing is the means of knowledge to hear these words. <coughs> 
So that praman of the faculty of hearing, what does it do? It illumines his words. Just as eyes illumine the forms or colors and therefore they are known, ears illumine the sound, therefore they are known, thus every organ of perception illumines its corresponding object and therefore it is known because a color cannot reveal itself, therefore eyes are required in order to know the color. Sound cannot reveal itself, therefore the faculty of hearing is required to reveal the sound. So one who is deaf, he cannot hear the sound because that faculty is not there. Someone who is blind cannot see the colors because that faculty is not there. Because these objects <coughs> such as the sound or the color or the taste or the touch, these are what we call inert. They are not self-effulgent and therefore we require pramanam or means of knowledge to eliminate them. <coughs> but Advaita does not fall in that category. They are all a jada, inert, not self-revealing. But the self or Atma or Advaita or Brahma is self-revealing and therefore doesn't require eyes to see, doesn't require ears to hear, doesn't require even mind to think. <coughs> it is there, it shines and all the means of knowledge shine after that. <coughs> Therefore, you don't require any means of knowledge in order to know this because it is self-revealing. <coughs> so, nasti mana kaṅkṣa svayam prabhe. That is svayam prabhe, that is self-evulgent, does not require any pramanam because it shines by itself. As you said, the very need for pramanam, the very need for means of knowledge is when a thing is not able to reveal itself, then you require a source of light or source of illumination to reveal. But just as we do not require, therefore, to see this color of the flower, not only do we require the eyes, but we require also the external light to illumine this color. We don't require that to see the lamp. You don't require another light to see the lamp because lamp is effulgent. And similarly also, because this, this lamp is just an example, self is self-evident or self-evident and therefore no means of knowledge is required to establish the existence of the self, that I am. To establish that I am, you don't require any eyes, even a blind man knows that he is, deaf man also knows that he is, and so without those faculties also one knows that one is. <coughs> you don't even require to think that I am. Because that I am is self-effulgent. You don't require, are you there? Are you? Are you existent? Let me think. You don't have to say that. Are you, do we exist? Let me see. You don't have to say that. You don't have to see in order to, to know that you exist. You don't even have to think to know that you exist. You can think only if you exist. So existence is, a pre, is presupposed for you to even think or see. So any of these things are possible when existence is first there. So just as an existence is what we call self-revealing or self, you know, self-effulgent. That very existence itself is Advaita or the non-dual. Therefore, the non-dual is self-revealing. <coughs> then the arguments that follow are little, you know, uh, Alright, he is asking, how do you say that the self is self-evolvent? What's the means? Or what's the pramanam? Or how do you even prove that? See, when you stretch the question beyond its limits, then the answers also will be like that, you know. And so, Nanusvaprakashatvebi kim pramanam? What is pramanam? Or what is the validity? Or what's the means of knowledge to prove that even Advaita or the non-dual is self-evolvent? How do you prove the self-evulgence of the self-evulgent, you know? Ityashankya, <laughs> now what do you answer? So a casual answer is first given. Tvadiyameya vachanam pramanam. He says your own words are, are the proof that the, the Advaita is self-evulgent. Your own words. Says verse 24. Svaprabhatve bhavadvakyam Svaprabhatve bhavadvakyam manam yasmad bhavanidam manam yasmad bhavanidam 
अद्वैतमभ्युपेत्यास्मिन् अद्वैतमभ्युपेत्यास्मिन् सुखम नास्ति इति भाषते सुखम नास्ति इति भाषते स्वप्रभत्वे भवद्वाक्यं माणम अद्वैतम इज स्वप्रभम अद्वैत इज सेल्फिफलजेंट इन दैट भवद्वाक्यं माणम सो द आंसर इज गिवन द कैजुअल आंसर इज गिवन योर ओन वाक्य Your own question itself proves that Advaita is self-evolution. Tat upapadayati. How do you say that? Then the answer is, Yasmad bhavan idam advaitam abhyapetya asmin sukham nasti idi bhashadaya. See, what the Purvapakshi says is, he says what the contender says, that there is, there is no happiness in Advaita. He says, There is no happiness in Advaita. When can you say there is no happiness in Advaita? Only when you first accept Advaita to be there. For you to say that, this flower is not yellow. When can you say the flower is not yellow? When you first accept the existence of flower. So also when you say that there is no happiness in Advaita. When can you say that? When you first accept the existence of Advaita. So even when you are raising this question or when you are asking me to prove that how do you say that Advaita is, we say that you yourself already accepted it. Because when you question that there is no happiness in Advaita, that question cannot arise unless you have accepted Advaita to begin with. And therefore, your very question, this whole question that where is happiness in Advaita, it's well to prove that you accepted Advaita. And when you accept it, why are you asking me how to prove that Advaita is? Because you accepted it first and then asked whether or not it is, it has happiness. Yasmaan bhavan idam advaitam abhyapetya Since you are first accepting the existence of Advaita, asmin sukham nasti iti bhashate. And then you are saying that in Advaita there is no happiness. So when you say that, You already accepted Advaita, therefore, we don't have to prove the existence of Advaita because you already accepted it. Yatah karana dhavata pramana nairapayekshena dvaitam abhivetya sukhame akshepyade adhaswa pravatva mityasa. Yatah karana, because of the reason that bhavata pramana nairapayekshena dvaitam abhivetya When you ask me this question that where is happiness in Advaita, that time, without the need for means of knowledge, you already accepted the existence of Advaita. You only question the presence of happiness in Advaita. You did not question the Advaita itself. And therefore, Advaita has been already accepted by you. Therefore, we say that Advaita is self-effulgent. Then he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, he says, नमया अद्वैतम अभ्युगम्यदे किन्तु त्वदुक्तम अद्वैतम अनुद्य दूष्यदे इस इस वेट अमिनिट I did not say that I accept अद्वैत you say that he is saying you know you say that अद्वैत is of the nature of happiness therefore I just accepted what you say and then say that अद्वैत doesn't have happiness so how do you impose you know that I accept अद्वैत So it's an interesting line of argument. Sometimes people argue like this also. It is, so this is, uh, this is, this reflects only sense of humor of this author. That now in the serious discussions also, now and then he, he has this. Just to bring a certain lightness about it and also to make a point of course. <clears throat> no discussion is without any purpose. But sometimes the discussion also is a light vein just to perhaps... I guess, make a little easier for other, for us. So therefore, that fellow says, Namaya Advaitam Abhivaramyate. Wait a minute. I have not accepted the existence of Advaita. Even when I say that we do not accept that Advaita has happiness, I just temporarily accepted Advaita because you say that Advaita is happiness. I have not accepted it. Kintu Tvaduktam Advaita Manudya Dushyate. I merely... Reiterated for the for the sake of argument, the Advaita that you stated, 
And then I say that there is no happiness there. Atahana Uktasiddhi. Therefore, just because I ask the question, you cannot use that as a proof that Advaita is accepted by me. I just accepted Advaita because you accept. Just as, for example, they ask this question, they want, somebody wants to dismiss God, so they ask this question. If God created the world, then who created God? He wants to say that God is not there. And for that he asked this, asked this intelligent question. If God created world, who created God? Then you say that, but you are only accepting God and asking who created God. So God is there anyway. But then he said, no, I am not accepting it because you say there is God. So here also he says that in verse 25, so the Purupakshi says, Na abhyupayimi, na abhyupayimi aham advaitam. He says, no, no, I will not accept, I am not accepting advaitam. Tadvachaya anundya dushanam, atvadvachaya anundya dushanam. I merely accepted, for, I mean, I accepted that for the sake of argument alone, but then my purpose of accepting advaita or mentioning advaita was to only find fault with what you are saying. That doesn't mean that I have accepted advaita as existing. Watch me, Sadhushanam, watch me. All I am saying is finding a fault in what you are saying. If this is what you are to say, then we ask him. Okay, Tada, all right. If you say that you do not accept Advaita, all right, fine. Tada, Bruhi, then you please tell us this. Kimasid, Dvaita Tafpura. Okay, please tell us this. Dvaita Tafpura, Kimasid. What existed before this duality? Presently we experience a duality. That is what we call the universe or the creation. So please tell us, what is it that existed before the creation of this universe? Or before the duality of crea- before the duality was created, please tell us what was there. <clears throat> Vikalva Asatvat Advaita Anabhivagamaha Anupannahiti Manvanaf Prachadi. You know why he is asking this question? Why we are asking the question? Because we know that you will not be able to, when you examine this, you will not accept Advaita. Because no Vikalpa or this, Vikalpa means this kind of alternative or options, you know, that options do not exist with reference to Advaita. Anyway, the question is, if you say that you do not accept Advaita, fine, please tell us, what existed before the creation of Dvaita or the duality? So that question is further. Himself, the Siddhanti himself explains that question in the verse 26. Kimadvaita mutadvaitam, Kimadvaita mutadvaitam, Anyova kotirantimaha. Anyova koti rantimaha Appasiddho nadvitiyo Appasiddho nadvitiyo Appasiddho nadvitiyo Anutpatte shishyate grimaha Anutpatte shishyate grimaha Kim advaitam udadvaitam The question is Before the creation of dvaita or the duality What was there? Kimadvaitam was a non-duality before the creation of duality? Utadvaitam, or do we say that there was duality before the creation of duality? Anyova kotihi, or you say that there was something else? Either there is advaita non-dual, or the dual, or there can be something, some third kind of a thing. So please tell us what was there before the creation of duality? Was the non-dual there before the creation? Or the dual was, duality was there before the creation of duality? Or there was something else other than the dual and the non-dual? 
अंतिम कोटि ही अप्रसिद्ध है दिस थर्ड ऑप्शन समथिंग अदर देन ड्यूअल एंड नॉन ड्यूअल इज अप्रसिद्ध है इज नॉट समथिंग दैट इज नोन मीनिंग वी नो ओनली टू कैटेगरीज द ड्यूअलिटी एंड द नॉन ड्यूअल देर इज नो थर्ड कैटेगरी दैट वी नो ऑफ इन दर दैट कुड नॉट हैव एग्जिस्टेड बिकॉज वी नो कम अक्रॉस दैट और इट्स सच ए थिंग इज नॉट देर सो ओनली टू ऑप्शन रिमेन बिफोर द क्रिएशन ऑफ ड्यूअलिटी यू टू से दैट either the non dual was there or the duality was there because there is no third thing na tritiyam paksham nirakara antimahiti dvaita dvaita vilakshanasya rupasya loke adarshanaadi bhavah that something other than dvaita and dvaita is not a matter of our experience so that cannot be dvitiyam paksham nirakarodi this is not dvitiyah it cannot be that before the creation of dvaita or the duality there was duality can you say that can you say that before the creation of duality there was duality you cannot say that because it's not created the thing is when you accept that duality is created naturally before the creation of duality duality cannot be there anutpatte hai na dvitiya hai since duality is not yet created see the question is before the creation of duality Naturally, duality cannot be there before the creation of duality because duality is not created. Sishyade agrima. So what remains is only non-dual. So just think. So how you have to accept the non-dual because we know very well that the universe is created, and only then there is duality. So duality is something that is created. So what obtained before the creation of duality? Has to be non-dual, and therefore you cannot say that the non-dual is not there. Non-dual has to be accepted. Tatra hitma anutpatte hiti. That is done. Dvaitasya tadanim anutpannatvadi bhavah. The idea is that that you can keep on dismissing the duality. What can we dismiss this duality? But what is the culmination of all the dismissal? So you can keep on rejecting not this, not this, not this, not this, not this, and you keep on rejecting and negating and negating. And where does this process of negation ultimately end? Where does it stop? You cannot take it beyond even the very negator. You cannot negate the negator himself. You can negate everything other than the negator, but you cannot negate the very negator. I cannot. What is it? Ride on my own shoulder. Therefore, I cannot dismiss myself, and therefore, that is avadhi. That is the very limit of all the negation. Therefore, that advaita, the non-dual, is the very avadhi or the culmination or the very limit of the negation of duality. And so, duality is negated, and naturally, what is the residue? What is what they call the non-reducible substratum? You can reduce a thing. You can divide it and divide it and divide it and reduce it further and further and further. And where will this process of reduction come to an end? It will come to an end. Where it, it can be further reduced, and that is what we call the substratum, and that is the non-dual, where even the duality between the reduced and the reduced also is reduced. Then what remains is the non-dual. That's the avadhi. Atah prathama paksha parishishchade. That we say that. It is there the non-dual that remains as the non-reducible residue or non-reducible substratum, non-reducible culmination of the process of reduction. And so, this is logical. Thus, the author is proven by reasoning that advaita is is proven by here by reasoning. And so, that advaita has to be is there, but otherwise, advaita cannot be. The fact that you are experiencing duality shows that the non-duality is because the duality is created. Duality has to rest upon something, and it can only rest upon the non-dual. We find in everything in duality, everything rests upon something, because everything is an effect. Effect always rests upon the cause. This is the part of a standard example is made of clay. So part is the effect or the product. And it depends upon the clay, which is the cause. So effect always depends upon the cause, and so effect can be reduced to cause. You can break the pot, 
reduce it to cause. The clay, the clay itself is an effect, will be again resolved into its own cause, which is an effect. And thus, if you keep on going from effect to the cause and effect to the cause, where will this process lead to? It will lead to that which is neither cause nor effect. It will lead to, let's say, Brahma. We call it Brahma. Which cannot be either cause or effect. If Brahma also is effect, it will get reduced to something else. So ultimate substratum, where everything gets reduced, itself cannot be effect. And therefore, it cannot even be the cause. We call it cause only in a in a figurative sense, but ultimately Advaita is neither the cause nor the effect. It transcends ideas of cause and effect. But it has to be there. Unless that irreducible substratum is there, nothing can exist. You can't arrive at anything. The fact that the world exists shows that there must be a substratum, irreducible substratum, which forms the very basis for that. And that is Advaita, that is a non-dual. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyomavad Vyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Nama